0: to a very special bonus episode of into the aether it's a
1: low-key video game podcast and my name is brendan bigley i'm steven hilger and i'm going to unencumber brendan with his usual duty of reading the patron list uh we're gonna i'm floating (laughs) (laughs) i'm free Uh, it's like Aladdin. Uh your Watch
0: free genie. as I saw through the
1: cloud <laughs> That's that's how the song this goes. Golden <laughs> evening.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's Aladdin. Robin Williams.
1: <laughs> I love when Rob Williams sings Castle in the Cloud in Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> there is a castle on a cloud I like to go there in my sleep I know what you're thinking Stephen's tone deaf No, 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 no That's the tenor harmony of Castle on the Cloud There you uh, go Yes, we had to sing a middle school chorus Anyway <laughs> uh, Here's what you're paying for <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding We we want to sincerely thank all our very generous patrons And I will read the list uh, Thank you so much, sincerely, to Akira, Alex, Andrew D, the other Andrew D, Bede, Benjamin D, Benjamin W, Bolts, Brendan, Brett, Catherine, Chris, Christopher, uh, Siren, Craig, David, Dennis, Elliot, Enrique, Hilton, Ian, Inez, Jason, Jeff, Drury, Josh, Jules, Cameron, Connor, Kieran, Kim, Kyle, Mark, another Mark, Marcel, Marianne, Matt, Melly Muffin Pie, Micah, Min Murray Mima Naomi No Name Pablo Pat Philip Robert Salute P Z Scout Gotta go to page two Sebastian Shelley's skin tight alloy Trevor and William If anyone's name is mispronounced please let me know. I apologize in advance. But yeah, you that's can shoot us a note on Patreon. There's
0: like the use the message yeah. function and um, send us something.
1: But thank you so much. Uh, that's the whole list. It's long. It's yeah. longer than it was like last time, I think. Yeah. Last I messed up.
0: Yeah, thank um, you so much to everyone who's back in the show. Um, as we've mentioned in uh, many episodes since the Global Nightmare started, uh, please feel free to not back the podcast if, if uh, doing so encumbers you financially in any way, shape or form. Um, but that said, thank you to everybody who's been doing that. I also just want to give like a special shout out to everyone in the Discord recently. I mean, we, just to mention... Uh, you can go to into dot to find our links to a whole bunch of places, including Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and all the places where we are. Uh, but if you want to join the Discord, you can go to the dot online and join it there. Um, I just want to give a special shout out to the members of the Discord. Um, not to get too into things, but uh, recently the other podcast that I did, no script at all, a podcast about Terrace House, I uh, had to had to end, um, and it was like kind of a huge bummer. And everyone in the Discord was like so wildly nice. I mean the positivity was like overwhelming and I I think you and I are like long term goal for this show was to create like a positive space for people where they could talk about video games that felt separate from like the overall um, more public side of the discourse I think Uh, and in no um, in no uncertain terms like that ending of that podcast was like maybe the most direct Uh, frame of reference that i have to say that like we are starting to succeed at that i think it it was it was an unbelievable like week i think uh to take something so negative and and turn into such a positive
1: absolutely and i think you know to define positive it's an environment where people can speak freely and there, there are a lot of emotions to tackle with what happened obviously yeah but i think what was visible and what is evident there is just like a very like caring and uh understanding community um and yeah. and that's all a testament to you who are listening and in the discord like you know i think we we opened the doors and you came in so like that's that's as much like that is more you're doing than ours yeah absolutely. <laughs> as much as you know that was our goal i think it's 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 thanks to you it's pbs thanks to viewers like you uh, that that <laughs> happens yeah um so this is our bonus episode about arthur i hope you are gonna (laughs) enjoy this one i think uh dw is really the unsung any hero of the series you think so yeah i think i agree Actually, now
0: that I'm thinking about it, yeah. So, just wanted to shout out everyone in the Discord. Uh, it's been it's been really great. I think, um, and excited to show you the the new show that we're working on. Uh, Andrea and I, uh, my my co-host on that show. Um, if you're a person who didn't watch Terrace House while it was on um then then this show is probably going to be more for you than that one was at least so yeah uh, look forward to that it'll be on the online at some point or in the discord I'm pumped yeah. I'm excited
1: I'm a it'll huge fan
0: anyway that's all stuff that's unrelated to video games and you downloaded an episode of a podcast about Monster Hunter World yeah a video game for the PlayStation 4 and Xbox 1 and maybe PC I'm not really sure but definitely out for those two platforms uh it's a game that steven and i both we surprised each other with in our very first game of the year episode uh because we we started this podcast halfway through the year so uh, i think i think monster hunter world came out in january of 2018
1: yeah it was one of the first games to come out and yeah and that, that's kind of why I was looking forward to doing this because it's kind of symbolic of us returning to that era yeah. where we both played it secretly, both loved it. And then when we started the show, it wasn't show, even never secret. It was just it. yeah, it was
0: just we never talked yeah. about it. It just never, never came up at any point. Uh,
1: uh, and then our game of the year episode, it was I think number six for both of us. Yes, right? yeah, yeah, which was yeah. shocking, um, and I think still a
0: pretty good placement. Honestly. Honestly,
1: I I was thinking about this, like, because you know every uh, game of the year episode we do, we will look back on the previous year and see if we want to make any changes. I mean, we've done two so so far. We've had one opportunity over the to past do two so. decades of doing into the Aether,
0: <laughs> Only a handful
1: hey, of times have we changed the order of the list. Take this as you will. It feels like a decade <laughs> in, a, in a good way and a bad way. I'm amazed it's been two years, uh, yeah. and I think that's a good thing overall. But We'll look back, and, and I, I was actually reviewing our, at least my list for 2018, and, and I'm pretty, like, still by it. I, I think, yeah. like, it, I want it to take a lot for us to ever change those lists. I wanted to have weight to it. You know, yeah. I want it to be a big deal. I don't want to be totally, like, it's not, like, a completely set in stone thing, but it should take a lot to change. Yeah, um, I agree with that. So, anyway, Monster Hunter World, we're finally... Back in, uh, Bren and I recently played this game together, kind of, uh, in the effort to find a game to stream. Yeah. Cause we, we, we want to make a more concentrated, and this is a separate thing entirely, but we want to make a more concentrated effort to, like, have a game that, like, that is intended for us to stream together. Cause, like, we've kind of treated this, the Twitch channel as, like, whenever one of us is time, we'll, we'll do a stream. And that will probably be how it is for a while. But we wanted to find some kind of, like, anchoring event, like, okay. You and I are gonna play Remnant, or you and I are gonna play. Yeah, I think Remnant uh, was the one a for 14. a while where,
0: where yeah. you, you and I created those characters, CJ and the Hammer, and like that became just like a fun storytelling outlet, I think, for us. Um, yeah. and we we're trying to look for something else that would kind of fall into that category. And it seems like Monster Hunter World is like kind of a perfect fit, at least between um, the sessions that you and I have had together, just kind of like testing it out and playing together over the past couple weeks. Um, yeah. So I'm very excited to get back into it. Uh, I'm excited for you to all meet Hot Waluigi. If uh,
1: <laughs> if, if, if we end up
0: not making a new character, uh, then, then you'll get to meet Hot Waluigi. Either way, you know what? Regardless of if we make new characters or not, you will meet Hot Waluigi and you, you will. will fall in love with him. You will be I'm confused not... about it uh, <laughs> also. But, yeah. you know, right. here's the thing. Waluigi, um, you know, uh, 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 icon. Definitely, you know, but 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 in what sense, I think has always been the question Um, and and what I intended to bring to the table via the art that I created in Monster Hunter World is um, maybe maybe he's uh, GQ's sexiest man of the year. You know, it's possible. Totally yeah we'll find out when we stream monster hunter world on twitch.tv slash into the cast
1: <laughs> tune in i was gonna make a new character and then i loaded up my old save file and i was like holy shit no 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 no, no. i can't ever yeah. abandon these two because uh, you make a hunter and you make a cat companion which we'll get into they're called yeah. palicos okay Uh, and (laughs) my character's named Alf with a PH. Uh, he looks like Johnny from FF7's older brother with a pompadour. Yeah. Um, and is just unbearably high. Like he wears sunglasses, but if they're off, just looks so high all the time. It's, it's incredible. Uh, I do think the
0: choice to have him always wearing sunglasses at all times is, is, is really interesting. Uh, just, just, you know, aesthetically,
1: I, I'm a big fan of Elf. Yeah. That's the one piece of armor I won't change. I I've, I've since I had the like kind of big belly dark souls armor on for a while, but yeah. it was so bad uh that I had to upgrade to like some bullshit. I'm excited uh, <laughs> so you you've now hit
0: the the max that you can upgrade the sunglasses. I'm excited to see you unlock the sunglasses in the even higher rank tier of armor and then upgrade that all the way because that will be you setting it in stone, etching yeah. it into a into a tablet and holding it on the highest peak <laughs> uh,
1: and right. saying, these are my sunglasses and I will not part with them. Um, And uh, coincidentally, Alf also uses a hammer. Uh, so it's kind of the creative thread with all our characters. Yeah, so does Sebastian, the cat. But we'll get more into them later. I, I would love to uh, open with because uh, because monster Hunter world was the first monster Hunter game that I played uh, mm. in the series right 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 um, and you have a much uh more involved background with with the series so I'd love to kind of touch on that first before we kind of dive in to world specifically if you don't mind
0: yeah uh, so surface level uh monster hunter <laughs> is a game in which it's what it says on the tin. Uh, my, my friends, it's uh, a game where you hunt monsters. <laughs> it's a
1: game in a can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be no. kind of creative marketing. Yuck. Uh, right, we got to move on from that slurp.
0: <laughs> I, I guess there are deluxe tin editions of video. I'm not going to get into that. Monster Hunter is a <laughs> game franchise uh, by Capcom in which you create a hunter and then you go out into... Um, I would say a semi open world um at least until Monster Hunter World came out but like a semi open world it's it's still like a refined area you know it'll be like you're going out into this forest or into this desert and the desert will be split up into you know 11 to 12 different zones that are all little small areas um and there are different things that you can gather and hunt in those areas whether it be like small little monsters or like or or gather like herbs and mushrooms and things like that um, so, it, it kind of has that, like, Witcher-esque, or, or at least the thing that people enjoyed about The Witcher 3, that, that Witcher 3-esque idea of preparing before you fight the big thing. And, and I would say this is kind of where, where that, idea like spawned was was the first Monster Hunter um, because so much of the game is honestly about gathering even though it's called Monster Hunter a lot of it in the early stages is about gathering and honestly even in the later stages is about gathering uh, because you're spending a lot of time getting the materials you're gonna need to take down the really fucking big thing because like while you're playing through the game you're you're uh, hunting bigger and bigger and bigger monsters but once you get to end game once you like get better armor and things like that uh, and weapons and whatever uh, the the final monsters that you're going to have to take down are going to require multiple people and maybe actual literal hours of preparation, um, which I, I think could turn some people off on the franchise as a whole that idea um but honestly if you're into that at all even if a little piece of you is like that sounds really interesting uh let me let me just push that a little bit further just by saying when you do all of that preparation and work with your teammates and take down that big thing that seems impossible to take down it is one of the most rewarding feelings you can have in a video game and i think that's the reason that people have been so hooked on this franchise for so long and every time you meet someone who loves these games it's like oh how many hours did you put into monster hunter? three and they'll be like i don't know 900 to a thousand hours probably uh and it's like how many monsters are in there 25 30 (laughs) monsters in the the whole fucking game
1: um i've slayed the cast of land before time many times (laughs) my friend
0: yeah so yeah, that that's kind of like an overview of, of, of the franchise. I would say I started playing these games way back with the first one, believe it or not, uh, for the PlayStation <laughs> PS2, Two. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a friend of mine, Chris. Hi, if you're if you're listening, hello, Chris. Uh, he and I, he I remember he had I think a, a subscription to PlayStation Magazine back in the day, or like some something like PlayStation Magazine. Um, I don't even know if that was a thing or if that is a thing currently. But he had some kind of magazine that would show up at his house all the time that would like to show him all the new games coming out kind of like a nintendo power thing um yeah. and i just remember him showing me like in school one day he like brought it to school um kind of like you with your with your prima strategy guides he like showed up and was like <laughs> check brady this games out. brendan yeah. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. he was like check this out and he pointed at what was like just a tiny column it wasn't even like a big expose it was like a tiny column that was like Capcom has this new thing coming out. It's like big in Japan and it's coming to the United States. Um, and it was like it was like a picture of of what looked like a velociraptor and a guy with like a huge fucking sword. And I was like, yeah, I'm in whatever. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> um, so we both got it the day it released. Uh, we both like saved up our money and, uh, and went and bought it. And both of us, I think bounced off immediately (laughs) because it's like when, when you're in, I don't even know what grade we were in. I mean, it was definitely like elementary, middle school in that era. Uh, when you're, when you're that age and the game is like, we demand tons and tons of patience from you. I I think that's hard for uh, a, a smaller child to wrap their head around generally, um, yeah, and and on top of that, like a thing about the combat in this game, and and a thing that people say all the time, and like maybe is is more apt for Monster Hunter than any other game that uh, gets this comparison, is that the combat is Dark Souls, like the combat is Dark Souls combat. It is all hitbox based. It is all about slow, methodical movements. It is all about reading your enemy. Uh, i e. the monster or monsters that are attacking you that you are also attacking um and and perfectly timing dodges and and things like that. Um, so you can avoid getting hit and not get killed by this thing. so when you're when you're a very small kid and you're presented with that kind of uh, combat system and a game that says it's gonna take you one hundred hours to fight the thing that's on the box, it's a little bit hard to wrap your head around. So that was my first brush with the franchise. I was like, I don't know. I, I played that game and was like kind of into it, but, but just like couldn't wrap my head around actually playing it. So it took until the third one came out for the Nintendo Wii U. Uh, monster hunter three i think you or monster hunter three ultimate i forget what the actual name of it was but that was the first one that i got just like kind of on a whim it was just like one summer and i i wanted a game to play uh and and it was like deeply on sale so i picked it up and ended up playing like i would say a good 50 to 100 hours of that game if i had to guess that was the first time I, f- I finally like understood what Monster Hunter was all about. It was the first time that I like made it through all the Hunter ranks, uh, which which essentially is like you start off the game and there are a bunch of quests. And then once you do all those quests, it unlocks the second level of quests and then you do all those quests. And then the third level, things like that. And you just, you know, copy paste until you hit the top. It was the first time I'd done all of them. Um, and I was like. Yeah, this is tight. This is great, but I didn't really have anyone to play it with because nobody else I knew had a Wii U.
1: Uh, so I, <laughs> I ended up not playing. We, it. we worked together at that time, and I didn't have a Wii U. Yeah. Like I was your closest video game friend, and I was like, I'm not touching
0: that shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was yeah. me, myself, and I playing the Wii U, um, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, that was the Wii Me Monster Hunter try. Uh, and that was, that was just looking at the, at the release date. That was, uh, 2010, um, ish when it came out. And then I think, um, enhanced version was released for the Wii U. So that, that would probably put it in like the 2012 ish range. And then Monster Hunter 4 came out for the 3DS. Uh, and that was the first one that I was able to play with people. Um, which was exciting. Uh, shout out to our, our mutual friend Pablo, uh, who was the first person I ever played a Monster Hunter game with. Uh, and I did not play it a whole lot because I wasn't sure if I really liked playing it on the 3DS. I thought it was kind of like a little bit too small of, of, a, of a system to be playing a game that should feel so big. Um, yeah, especially totally. going from three to four was like three on console to four on handheld was like, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. So I played that for a bit, didn't get super into it, um, and then ended up picking up Generations, uh, which was kind of like a spin-off game uh, also on 3DS. Bounce off of that also pretty much immediately. And there was another one on PSP that I also played briefly uh, that was called Freedom Unite. So anyway, all that is to say that the next entry in the franchise became Monster Hunter World, uh, which is this like, you and I talked about this a lot while we were just playing it recently, but it's pretty much this like Breath of the Wild, like Nintendo Switch era Nintendo reimagining of what Monster Hunter should and can be in terms of like the streamlining of everything that was kind of a bummer about playing it. So like, okay, uh you're constantly sharpening your sword or your hammer or whatever with these things called whetstones. <laughs> uh but you have to buy whetstones or you can run out of whetstones and you can't find them in the environment. Uh so it's just gonna take a long time to accumulate the number of whetstones that you are going to ultimately need throughout the game, whether it be via money or like crafting them or whatever. Uh in Monster Hunter World, you have infinite whetstones. Um in previous games your pickaxe would break, your fishing rod would break if you were trying to, to mine or go fishing or if you had a bug net that would also break so you'd have to like buy different versions of it uh, or craft different versions of it in monster hunter world infinite uses you always have one with you things like that really 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 add to uh making the game a little bit more streamlined and accessible for new people but more than anything else this game has a tutorial which none of the previous games do yeah zero previous monster yeah. hunter games have a tutorial um it's worth noting and i'll get into this a little bit later but i'm also simultaneously uh both for this episode but i was also doing this before we even talked about making this episode so it just kind of lucky happenstance um monster hunter generations the one that i did not enjoy on 3ds uh, got ported to switch and i picked it up on switch because it was very on sale recently and i was like oh i miss playing monster hunter let me check this out just so i could have a different console monster hunter game to play that game also which came out after monster hunter world technically i guess the switch version did also does not have a tutorial so like monster hunter world is the like beacon of hope for what this franchise can become (laughs) and the first time that i think it's accessible to people who haven't played earlier entries in the franchise um or people who don't want to watch a 15 hour youtube series on how to play the video game before you play it yeah i feel like i just did a lot of talking but that's Monster Hunter, uh, leading up <laughs> no, to the game it.
1: that we're actually talking about. That was cool. I, I asked to hear that, and also this is a podcast, so please talk. That's a great point. Um. That's a great point. <laughs> You're doing great. Honestly,
0: I you really uh-huh. you, you, you you really uh, uh, knocked me down a peg there. I, I feel I feel settled in. Sorry, uh, knocked me down a peg from high anxiety. I'm feeling good now.
1: Oh, good, good, good. I'm glad. I was like, I hope I didn't bo- deflate your confidence. <laughs> <laughs> hey, kid, you're on a podcast. Talk! You gotta find a gimmick. Come on! Filibuster this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wheat is found in various parts of nature. Uh, anyway, I, when you said that the game had no tutorial, uh, so... Like I said earlier, Monster in a World was the first game that I played in the series. But I had heard from people, I, I knew of it for a long time, and I had friends who played it, and I had always heard that there was sort of, like, in the absence of a in-game tutorial, a lot of long-time players would take it upon themselves to, like, teach new players how to play the game. So yeah. there was this sort of, like, de facto tutorial that was, like, filled in by real players who... So there's some there's there is a kind of beauty to that where it's like if the game's not doing it, the people who play it will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you would like find a, a longtime hunter to like teach you the ropes. I'm not saying that's like how it should be done. But I do think it's interesting how like there was such a clear need for that, that people just did it themselves. Yeah. I
0: mean, you think about the Dark Souls um, comparison, right? Like that that is a game that is uh, famously withholding from its audience. Um, and because of that, the audience fills in the gaps via the Internet. Um, I, I think honestly, I, I think um, that that marriage of like forums online and like wikis being built online and video games um, is is really fascinating. It's a really interesting, like kind of new and, and, and uh, cool way to like interact with a medium um, that you don't really see outside. Like you're never going to have that experience with a movie unless you like really don't understand the movie and you need to read articles to understand what you just watched uh see yeah. the lighthouse. Um but <laughs> I I love that about Dark Souls and I think Monster Hunter kind of had that same appeal. Um that is not to say that like the tutorial in this game will teach you everything, so there might still be things that you need to look up online. Um, but it at least puts you in a better position as a new player um than any of the previous games have.
1: Yeah. And in terms of comparisons too, I would compare this to another game that came out on PS2, uh, Shadow of the Colossus, mm-hmm. where, like, in Shadow of the Colossus, it's it's half, like, just trying to find the colossi, so in that way it kind of shares that DNA with Monster Hunter. But a lot of it is, like, just soaking in the atmosphere, and then suddenly you find the colossus, and it becomes this, like, over-the-top boss battle where you have to figure out how to beat that specific colossus. So it kind of feels like Monster Hunter took that, like, very basic formula from Shadow of the Colossus and, like, gamified the the like pre-boss fight stuff more Mm -hmm. where like rather than literally just riding on a horse in the sunset (laughs) in ruins you are like picking up flowers and like picking up footprints that like give you more information and there's some stuff that's like fairly intuitive like you know usually if there's a monster that has like a big horn on its head you could probably hit it in the head and it will do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, some of it's not like, you know, yeah. I don't need to pick up too much of this monster dung to figure out that hitting it in the head will work. Yeah. But what's also cool too is it depends on the weapon you use. So like I use the hammer. So lo- hitting it in the in the horn or in the feet is much more effective than you with your sword. You're much more apt to like cutting off its tail or something. Right, right. But yeah, right. I mean, I guess now that we're veering more into the world specifically... I went to this game kind of just out of curiosity because I'd heard about the series for so long. And it seemed like everyone, all reviews, were saying, like, this is such a dramatically better entry point for the series Mm -hmm. than, like, you alluded to earlier. And I never really, like you with, I think, 3... I never really had a group to play it with. And I do think that this game like really shines much more with a committed group to like play cooperatively with. Yeah. Um, you have your cat companions to fill in the blanks, but <laughs> um it is much better with friends to coordinate strategies and to just like, cause cause so much of it is just like running around these beautiful environments that like, it is a nice game too, to just like catch up with each other over oddly enough that yeah. like, there is like as as much work and patience as it requires, it is also like an oddly zen experience. which I think you and I commented on while playing. Yeah, recently. yeah, yeah.
0: This is kind of like the the uh, ideal into the aether game. I think in a weird way yeah. because unlike a game like Apex Legends, which is a running simulator until we get shot in the head and die, uh, yeah. Monster Hunter is a game in which it's a running simulator on purpose for a very long time. Uh, until you get this, like, high peak of, like, 30 straight minutes of boss battle. And then when it's over, it it fucking owns. And you get to go back, and you get to turn the monster you just killed into weapons and armor. Uh, and then you take your next quest, and then you get a cat to feed you some some dinner. Uh, and then you do oh it all over God. again, which we'll get to. But, like, that, yeah, that yeah. loop, I think, is, like, just perfect in terms of peaks and valleys. Like, that's the kind of thing that game designers are constantly striving for. In 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 their in their like level design, so I think um, I think it was Game Maker's Toolkit, which is an amazing YouTube channel. If, if yeah, you're, if you're totally. not a, a viewer of it, definitely go check it out. Um, highly recommend just watching like literally every single video on that guy's channel because uh, it rules. I think there's also a podcast now, but I haven't heard it yet. Um, anyway, there there was an episode that I was watching recently um, that was talking about a, a specific mission in I think Mass Effect Two that involved uh, the the game designers. Pretty much saying, okay, here's everything that's gonna happen story-wise in this mission. What do we want the player to feel, uh, so we can create these peaks and valleys? And in an instance where they wanted the player to feel creeped out, uh, they accident like they had zombies in an initial part of that section, and they found out that it made people scared, not creeped out. And like that difference actually heightened player tension in a way that they weren't uh, they weren't um, really uh, intending at the time when they were designing the thing. So they took the zombies out, and it just became like a kind of creepy crawl through. A weird tomb Um, and and because of that they at the end of the day they had this like wonderful arc of like oh wow there's a lot of high tension and then it kind of drops down and then you get this like nice just like walking through interesting environments and then it builds up tension again and that's the thing that they had to do through story and level design whereas with Monster Hunter it's kind of like a a designer's dream because it's just built into the actual mechanic of the game right like when you're spending all your time at HQ and it's just like Beautiful, lush environment where there's people wandering all over the place. There's a pig that's following you around that's in love with you, uh, and and you're like <laughs> talking to cats and you're talking to traders and you're and you're talking to uh, like the captain of like a fucking like pirate hunter group, um, and everyone's like going, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, you know, it's like it's just uh, a joy the whole time. It has a
1: big Zelda town vibe to it, yeah. Like it has the it's kind a of pleasantness to it, and it's a joy to go back to. Um,
0: and then your your break from that is. Is going out into the wilderness and just kind of like exploring, as you mentioned, like just a a, a bafflingly beautiful environment. Yeah. Um, and this is—it's worth noting. This is the first entry in the franchise that doesn't have loading screens between areas. Also, like it is all one seamless world, whereas um, in in every previous iteration, uh, there would be a load screen between different areas of of a uh, of like whatever you're exploring. So, in this case, you're just like wandering around this beautiful place until you find the big thing, and then that's where the tension comes in, uh, yeah. and it doesn't let go until you're done. Um so I I don't know, it it's just a a, a wonderful arc and it's a wonderful loop. Um and, yeah. and it's not really surprising to me at all that they literally haven't changed it since the first one. Like right. it, it just makes so much sense. Even down to the way the weapons work and what weapons there are, like those buttons and combos and things have mostly stayed the same since the original so that that's where people who have played earlier entries have kind of a leg up because you can kind of like come in knowing what weapon you already like uh and and how to use it, which is nice um but just in terms of like the the
1: overall loop of the game i mean it it's it's perfect, it's perfect, yeah, I think too, like even though there is this like high stakes with the fights like there isn't really a lot to lose if you die like it's doesn't right. have it doesn't have like that frustrating sense that a a soul's game can have or like you lose all the souls you had, or like, you have to go all the way back through some, you know, environment to get to the boss to die again. And then you have to do that again. Like it's the whole game is so pleasant that like, even the adversity is kind of chill. Um, yeah. and I think to the environments, you know, there, there are like, I mean, I just, I, I haven't finished the game. I just beat the monster that's on the cover of the game. So pretty far in, I'm like a little, <laughs> I'm like in the last act of the game, basically. Yeah um but it, it, yeah i would say the the story
0: or I, I don't even know if it's really a story as much as anything else. <laughs> we'll,
1: we'll get into that later yeah, yeah but the, but
0: the um the overall like campaign of the game is definitely in the three act structure
1: and you are now in the third act yeah but even still like in this third act i would say there are like four kind of worlds like zones if you will mm-hmm. and like they're big they feel big but i think it's like you said there's no loading screens and i think it's an argument for uh intention and design over just saying this is the biggest world ever you know these things yeah. feel big because they're so lived in and so uh purposeful in their design uh not because they're actually the biggest thing ever um <laughs> right and there's such cr- like you know the first one like is like a land before time like prehistoric jungle rainforest which is yeah. dope it's cool as hell the um, ancient forest the ancient forest but you know it's What you expect. But then you have stuff like the Coral Highlands, which you and I comment on a lot. And it's literally, what if you had an underwater coral reef that wasn't underwater? Yeah. So what does it look like when you have all that kind of plant life and underwater ocean life, um, but it's just like in nature? That is such a creative environment. And the the monsters there are also, because, you know, again, first, the ancient forest, the, the boss monsters are Big Iguana big T-Rex that can fly <laughs> and uh, another big dinosaur. So it's like, okay, we got that going. But in the Coral Highlands, you've got a, a big puffy bat. That's yeah. like, I almost didn't even want to kill. I thought it was so cool. And that, we'll get into that too, because I have a sub theory about this game. Um, <laughs> and uh, like a dinosaur that has like an X-ray scan on its head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like another kind of winged creature yeah, it's oh, like there a, is... an
0: extremely sleek dragon, I would say. Yeah,
1: yeah. The Ancient Forest does have the puke puke, which is just revolting, but very cool and creative. Yeah. It has like human toes on the end of its wings and like burps up poison. Yeah. It's great.
0: Yeah, it looks it looks like a tree frog with ears. Uh, no, no, more like a chameleon with ear like bat ears that has wings, as you said, with like human toes at the end of it. Uh, and then a big puffy tail that's filled with poisons, a big poison sack, yeah. Um, and and it constantly just
1: barfs poison at you. <laughs> really, a horrifying <laughs> creature. What's cool too is each monster has a armor set devoted to it. So like, if you wanted to like devote yourself to like getting and upgrading a certain armor set tied to a monster, you might go back and hunt it again. Um, yeah. And they're all like, all the armor sets are really like a completely different aesthetic and clearly made of the animal in some way which is yeah. kind of cool yeah um but the cat you can also make armor for your cat and those are so out there in the best way like there's one armor set for your cat that's literally like a diva-esque mech that it wears like mm-hmm. made of the monster yeah um it's so neat but i it think is, it is actually worth noting on uh just while we're talking
0: about this the the progression in these games and and this is uh, just also, I guess, for people who haven't played them in the past, but something that I really enjoy about it, the progression of these games is not you're leveling up your stats, you know, as, as, a, as a person. Um, the, the moves and things you can do with your weapon will always be the same. Uh, you have all of the uh, tools you need to be able to hunt monsters right at the beginning, uh, and those will not change. What will change is as you're hunting those monsters, you can craft better armor and, and uh, weapons for yourself um so that'll just allow you to do more damage and take more hits but that is also contingent on you being able to take down monsters that are you know way above your pay grade essentially uh constantly to be able to craft that kind of stuff so it really is more about like honing your own ability as a hunter um than it is about just making better stuff in a way totally um even though that is the progression loop like you could technically if you wanted to do the whole thing with just, like, the base gear that they give you. Uh, it would be difficult, but you can do it. Uh, in the same way you can beat Ganon at the beginning of, of Breath of the Wild. Um, yeah. <laughs> immediately. With a stick
1: and cargo shorts. Yeah. yeah.
0: It'll be hard, but you can do it. Um, yeah. That is kind of, like, one of the basest things about, uh, about Monster Hunter that I really appreciate. Um, and, you know, very... Uh, yeah,
1: I just like that a lot. Anyway. I was going to say, um, in terms of, like, gear and stuff, I also appreciate that you can... Uh, switch up your weapon anytime. So, at least at camp, you can change what your weapon is. So, like, if you start the game, like, I'm all in on the bagpipes, which is, is a weapon, yeah. and you find that maybe that doesn't work for you, uh, you can change it. But yeah, I use the hammer that... Uh, every weapon also has, like, a bone version of it for some reason. Um, So I have the bone hammer that, like, is made of a monster that has, like, a very strong like bone forehead so it just mm-hmm. has like ribs on the side of it so it's a very uh goofy looking weapon but i love it so much yeah um it really- I've, I've just grown fond of the hammer I'm a, I'm a big fan of the hammer in this game
0: yeah uh so yeah there, there are a bunch of different um upgrade trees for all your weapons that you can choose from uh and and that requires Pretty much essentially like a lot of experimentation saying like, okay, so if I craft this, then I can eventually craft this uh, so you can work your way up a tree and then maybe need to like downgrade that weapon a couple times so you can go down a different branch of that tree um, and eventually work your way up to having weapons that you like really, really want and want to keep forever, um, which I think is really cool. But what that also means is that it allows you to experiment a lot with a lot of different things. So, like, I do have... Uh, I, I use the longsword is my um, go-to. And I have three different versions of the longsword that I'm upgrading simultaneously, essentially. Um, and in all of my free time while I'm playing that game, it's, like, just finding the materials that I need for for those upgrades uh, until I can eventually, you know, hit the end of the tree, which is really cool. Um I like that a lot be- because there are actual, like in-game reasons once you get to end game to uh to prioritize one tree over another like the bone tree is really 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 great uh about doing high damage but unfortunately uh it it uh becomes more and more blunt more quickly uh so it loses its sharpness and you're going to need to sharpen it a lot more uh frequently but if you're like new to the game or whatever um or if like doing or if just like high damage output in the beginning is kind of more of a priority for you like that is the tree that you can go down whereas there are other trees that like prioritize sharpness which you can use to uh specifically slice through um you know harder parts of a monster or something like that uh so you can prioritize sharpness over over bluntness i guess in a way um so yeah there's just like an endless endless uh number of ways to customize your own character in in these games which i I think is incredible and it's one of the reasons that i think people keep coming back and and do put hundreds of hours into it trying to craft like
1: their perfect idyllic version of their hunter and monster hunter yeah absolutely i think too speaking to the combat the thing that like I think for me, new to the series, like really put Monster Hunter World like on a peg of its own or on a on a tier of its own was this idea that the environment was so alive and like any time unplanned, a monster could just like break part of the environment. Like we were fighting the Rathalos, and it just like broke this this like gaggle of trees, and then a waterfall poured in. Yeah, um, or even more frightening, like you might be, you know, you might be like a new ass hunter and in, in leather gear with your new sword fighting a big iguana. And then the fucking T-Rex that can fly shows up and just <laughs> bites it and like eats it in front of you. Like yeah. monsters can just stumble into each other independent of which mission you take on and they'll start fighting too. So like, Oh shit, do I want to choose a like Mothra versus Godzilla side or do just want to like stand back <laughs> and watch this happen? It, it It feels so immersive. Like it really is like, Those are the moments that I feel like a lot of like E3 like conferences are trying to market and it's never right, right. like it never is like look that. at
0: how all of our systems interact yeah. in beautiful and, and unpredictable ways whereas yeah. i don't know monster hunter is like yeah there's like three ways that that can happen
1: but it always fucking rules it rules yeah. yeah and it's it's like it's i mean we were fighting uh we just like went into the ancient forest and fought every monster and the uh yeah. the big iguana kept helping us out which is amazing
0: yeah uh, we were, so we were like, fighting what were we fighting was it the was it the t-rex I think we wanted to fight the Puke Puke. Oh, we yeah. ended up fighting
1: everything.
0: We, we were fighting the T-Rex. Every time we were fighting the T-Rex, there was like a big iguana. It's called the Great Jogras. Uh The Great Jogras showed up every single time we were fighting the T-Rex to just like yeah. get into a scuffle with it. And every single time you and I were just like, all right, let's just hang back and see how this turns yeah. out.
1: <laughs> let's sharpen our hammers. And watch if he does second. any damage to this thing, then we're in a better spot than we were in before. Yeah. So that stuff, I think, is like really what what gives this game an identity of its of its own and like is just truly so exciting like i think it's at this point with video games it's so easy to be numb to that kind of like action and fighting but like it, it because you could literally find them anywhere they're never in the same spot and then in the middle of battle they might like you know, you'll know you're progressing to the next stage of the fight if they run away and go somewhere else and suddenly you have to track them again. Yeah. Uh, and you might, you know, go back to their nest and fight them there. And that's, I think we can get into now where <laughs> I joked with you, we were both running around in red armor, uh, like literally like black eagles, like <laughs> inf- infantry men vibes yeah. coming yeah. on. And uh, the monster was like limping away from us. And it feels like, We're playing, like, high-res Team Rocket, the game. We're just, like, like (laughs) with our villainous cats, we're just terrorizing. Like, it's very, like, because the story is is literally non-existent, I don't think anyone has a name. It's like Pilgrim's Progress levels of allegorical, where it's like, hello, I'm Innocence. Or, you know, whatever. (laughs) Uh, I think the the main character you get to know pretty well is named the Handler, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the most my favorite character is the meowskiller chef who is the cat chef who like every time you eat before going out uh, on a mission is this like the budget must have gone on just the scene. It's like a bunch of cats in like a an, in like an assembly line cooking this extravagant like Beauty and the Beast meal as the chef just kind of nods with his arms crossed and then like yeah. puts the final garnish. and it never gets it never gets old watching him put the final garnish on a giant like roasted turkey is incredible. I and mean, then yeah. your character like happily eats it all and Alf looking as high as he does it's just an incredible scene <laughs> with all <laughs> That's the food so in front good. of him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and a- oh, as you continue wow.
0: to play the game you'll be able to upgrade uh the the chef and and the kitchen uh more and more and more which just gives you wilder and wilder versions of that cutscene, uh, yeah which is wonderful the Mascular Chef has big um, Salt Bay vibes in a way that I wasn't yeah I guess I, I guess right. I didn't realize the first time I played the game um, I don't know maybe Salt Bay wasn't even a thing in January of 2018 I'm not really sure but sure is now uh, and, and definitely <laughs> got those vibes this time uh, yeah yeah the Mascular Chef is great but anyway you're talking about characters that don't have names and how there's no yeah, story <laughs>
1: if Salt Bay Gordon Ramsey and a Moogle fused it would be the <laughs> (laughs) chef (laughs) uh-huh um the story is like it begins with this sort of like call to action where they're like heroes do you wish to venture into the new worlds if so come with us if not that's okay too (laughs) and then you literally (laughs) and you see a bunch of people walk in and then you like get on this like really steampunk ass boat and uh yeah it's like it, it is exactly what it is. Like I, I honestly think this type of game having a story would get in the way. Um, yeah. Really, the setup is like you're just a bunch of hunters, and you're going to this like uncharted territory, and there's this thing. Uh, what's what's like the big dragon called? That's like literally like a mountain. Yeah. The, it's the, a really the cool Zora Yeah. Um, that is like the big kind of bad that attacks the ship in the beginning yeah it, it is and a, it is
0: a dragon that is the size of a whole ass like island with a volcano on it essentially yeah
1: like when you fight it it's like you're literally like it itself it, it has its own environment which is really cool yeah uh, it rules and like gives it a proper sense of scale it's okay like the biggest must in this game are places not yeah. even just, you know, a T-Rex with webbing under its arms. <laughs> so, like, you know, that's kind of it. I mean, the, the thing this game does really well is the setting. Like, the worlds are so beautiful, like, with the coral highlands and with the campsite. And there are other campsites you unlock. There's one that's, like, just ste- like wooden steps in this kind of, like, dark, kind of more roguish environment. And on the top is the leader, this, this elf woman who's just smoking, like, out- lounging. Yeah, Uh, like, what a power move. I love her. And yeah, it's just like, it's really charming. Despite the story, like just kind of being like, who wants to eat more turkey is like (laughs) somehow really charming. And and I think is so absent that you can like, just like players um, filled in the blanks with the tutorial not being there. This is the type of game where you can fill in the blanks with the story, you know? And like, I think it is so alive in the setting in a way that few games are. Um, yeah. It's it's one of the things that I think I've I've grown to
0: appreciate about the franchise more and more the more I've played it, and especially playing Monster Hunter Generations right now, cause this is kind of a weird thing, I think, where we could compare Monster Hunter World to Breath of the Wild, but Monster Hunter Generations would be Horizon Zero Dawn, which I think is the comparison a lot of people made around that time when those two games came out, which is like Horizon Zero Dawn is is like the swan song for that kind of open world game that, that is uh, purely like mission and, and waypoint based, right? Where like you climb a tower and then you see all of the waypoints on the map and then you can choose to do different kinds of missions depending on which waypoint you go to etc. etc. And then Breath of the Wild is like, uh, actually fuck that. Uh and then and then just kind of like blew the door open uh, and made something more open world or uh made something a little bit more open and more immersive in that way. Monster Hunter World is that Breath of the Wild, I think, extension of Monster Hunter as a franchise. And Generations is like the best possible version of the previous, however many games there have been. But the thing that is so rock solid in both of them outside of just like that core gameplay loop is the art direction i mean it is like such a beautiful beautiful game the the area that you're spending time in in monster hunter generations is like a um i want to say like a like a scottish highland kind of kind of vibe uh there are like alpacas all over the place that you could pet and and uh it is just like an overwhelmingly charming location to be spending your time in uh until you you know go out into the wilderness and go fight big fucking dragons. Uh but that sense of returning home in between each mission I think is like really just uh I don't know, taken taken to its its logical conclusion via how beautiful those places are because you do want to return there and you do want to like kind of uh prance around that that home base with your new armor that you just uh crafted you know and and show it off to these npcs who will not respond to you but like uh <laughs> sure will go ho ho every time you talk to them you know what i mean yeah. it, it's it's um i i think just like a, a beautiful extension of like you had over a decade and a half to uh kind of hone and refine the art style and 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 overall tone of these games and where they've landed between generations and world is like uh, just idyllic. I mean, there's I don't know where they could take it really after this in terms of like, just like core vibe of the game and core vibe of the hq in the camp um but where you do see that kind of uh, experimentation and innovation and 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 boundary pushing is in the locations uh i.e the coral highlands and turning an actual monster into a location in itself um so like while while there is that core thing that you will get in every monster hunter game the beautiful thing uh is is the innovation that happens around and outside of it absolutely
1: yeah, I think in terms of the Breath of the Wild conversation, which is something that you and I use as a kind of analogy a lot, like end of era, new foundation sort of argument. Yeah. Um, that, that itself is exciting. though. It's Okay, there's this new foundation set. What new settings and new monsters can we see? I mean, I think about like even before Breath of the Wild, you have Ocarina of Time which of its time was the Breath of the Wild of that era for Zelda. Mm-hmm. And what followed was Majora's Mask and Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, which, like, each were, like, a really brilliant and unique take on that pre-existing foundation. Yeah. Um, so I think that, like, even though it's hard to sort of, like, perceive like, oh, crap, like, how the hell are they going to follow this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's still so much that could be done. Uh, and especially in a series like Monster Hunter where, like, you know you you kind of like know what you're gonna get and and they almost like a la dragon quest like know exactly what they're committed to giving you yeah in terms of the mechanics and the loop they can just have fun with everything else um and i think that's kind of beautiful i think uh I think that return home is very interesting too, because like that is such a usually ethereal and almost by accident thrill you get from like RPGs in, in particular. Yeah, I was uh, I was gonna
0: say Tarrytown in Breath of the Wild is actually that that return <laughs> home for me, and I know I bring up Terrytown right. literally constantly. on I mean, on this podcast. that's our show. We're the Terrytown show, but. There is nothing I, I liked more in Breath of the Wild than going out and doing a bunch of things and then coming back to Tarrytown and being able to like hand over more materials or hand over more stuff that would progress that storyline. Um, yeah. Because the combination of that music and that location and that vibe, I think, uh, just made that the de facto hub for me in, in a way or in the way that the HQ um, in any of the Monster Hunter games is by
1: default. And even uh, something more harrowing like... A dark souls three where you return to the firelink shrine yes. or you know whatever uh or even um our old muse dragon's dogma where like there is <laughs> yeah. so much uncertainty when you leave uh you know the main capital like both mechanically and like is this game gonna break if i leave like, <laughs> you know, like, that returning home is like oh man like i'm so and and you have and like i think i think of that split too with persona where it's like When you're dungeon crawling, you're you're looking forward to going back to the daily life stuff. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing the daily life stuff, you're looking forward to, like, what the next big dungeon is. So, like, uh, the fact that Monster Hunter, like, makes both experiences so pleasant. Because I think a big mishandling of a game like this could be that, like, one part of it is really tedious, you know? Like, you go home and you have to, like... And that's where I think... Honestly, I think a story would kind of get in the way. Like whenever there's a cutscene in this game, I'm like, "Stop! Don't even pretend." <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah. "The Coral Highlands are where monsters go to die." Like, what? Okay, <laughs> ten minutes. You don't even have a name. Yeah. Don't. You can't have a scene for longer than five minutes if you don't have a name. I'm sorry. There is <laughs> there is one cutscene that I just saw recently that is maybe the only one that oh deserves to God. be in that video oh, yeah. game. Okay. can I talk so about it? Yeah. So I think I think that kind of like. I'm sure we'll 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 find more things to talk about as we progress the episode. So I don't want to put like a total like end. <laughs> we'll put a pin in what we've been discussing. Yeah, but I will say that like since the game has come out, uh, they released a major DLC uh, for it called Iceborne, which you and I have yet to get because it's mostly end game stuff. But I think we will aim to get to eventually we might cover it again. Um, But in addition to that DLC, they've done a lot of kind of crossover events with other series. So I remember seeing promo Material for them doing something with Final Fantasy where there was like a lot of Final Fantasy art and and costumes you can get in the game.
0: Yeah, like Um, a a fucked up dream. You and I were hunting uh, a thing called the Diablos in the desert once. Uh, and the and you you died, I think, at one point and got sent back mm-hmm. to camp. Uh, and I was there. So I was the only one who could witness this. But a cactuar <laughs> from Final Fantasy just showed up and then like looked at me and then sprinted away. And it all happened within <laughs> like a second and a half
1: after I saw you die. I was reincarnated. It was a sign.
0: That's what it felt like. It felt like, it felt like, it felt like the cactuar was in some way involved. In yeah. your death It was horrifying And I, I didn't even know How to describe it to you But anyway uh, Keep going
1: Yeah so And that's that's a crossover That actually kind of adds up Because like There's a lot of Final Fantasy charm To the world of Monster Hunter Both with like This sort of steampunk Fantasy setting And the cats and stuff Like the cats have A big Moogle energy Anyway um, They also did something Where you could play As uh, Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn Yeah uh, Which was kind of fun And, and that, that also Kind of adds up Because okay She's like a hunter that makes she sense. is a monster hunter, it's just that the monsters Truly, are, are, are made of, made of uh,
0: mechanized parts.
1: Yeah, she's like, so which of these giant tigers has a can of gasoline as its lungs? Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> can uh, I get the CPU out of this puke-puke?
1: So this puke-puke, its toes are like this recycled car material, right? <laughs> uh, but um, you recently encountered a cutscene that was like uh, another analogy we use a lot is like uncanny valley levels of crossover where it's like what's the limit who can and can't be in smash brothers without you being nauseous and the analogy i always use is if yoda was ever in super smash brothers this is something about that that is so it's too much that yeah. like it's a little bit uncanny valley uh and i think you encountered <laughs> like the peak of that in a cutscene you you experienced recently
0: yeah, you you and uh AJ, our producer for the show. Hi, AJ. Um Hi. We we were playing Monster Hunter together, uh and and it was like the end of the night. We had just wrapped up, so I was back in HQ. Like we had done a bunch of quests, and a bunch of hunts together and Beat stuff.
1: Rathalos covered the game.
0: Yeah, yeah, we did that. It was it was a big exciting hunt, and we were like, cool, that's a great note to end on. So I was just like kind of wandering around the HQ, uh the the like base camp, just kinda like talking to all the NPCs and stuff and I saw a group of cats that were like they had an exclamation point over their head like it was a quest. And I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird because I, I finished the like main campaign of the game and I don't have Iceborne yet. So, I was like, I don't know what else is left to do in this game. So, I talked to the cats yeah. to see what was up and they were like, you got to come to the research base. There's something you need to see here. I was like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. That sounds great. Like, I'm very excited to see what these cats want to show me. So, I went to the research base, which is the place you talked about that that is the, the big... Uh, the the big arched steps with the elf smoking a hookah at the top um, i love her
1: i want her in smash brothers she rules yeah she's
0: great um yeah anyway and and uh what ensues is a cutscene in which you and and one of the the top hunters in the regular base camp are talking to a researcher who's like we found this thing out in the woods and we don't know what it is and they pan down and it looks exactly like Gollum from lord of the rings <laughs> Like exactly like Gollum. Um, and they're like, Yeah, i just found it out in the woods, it kinda looks like a person, but it's kind of not a person. And they're like explaining this for a very long time. It's like three to five minutes of like just pure like we don't know what this thing is. And then a portal opens up in the research base, a big orange portal, and a body falls <laughs> out of it and onto the floor, and it and he gets up. And he's shrouded in darkness, and I'm just looking at this silhouette, and I'm like, this isn't real. This isn't the thing that's happening. And he walks out of the darkness into the light, and he says, my name is Geralt of Rivia. <laughs> what is this place? <laughs> and he's the, I guess he's the first person with a name outside of you. Really? Yeah. They're Um, like, no
1: one has names
0: here. What the fuck? And pretty much everyone else everyone else in this cutscene is like, well Magic's not a thing in this world, so you tell us where you're from. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and he then, uh, he then goes on to explain that, uh, he was chasing that golem-esque creature or something in the woods, uh, and fell into a portal and ended up here. Uh, and then what then, what, what ensues is maybe my favorite pop-up I've ever seen in a video game. Uh, and I'm just bringing it up here because I took a screenshot of it, and I need to share it with you, the listener. Uh, It's a pop-up. It's a yes or no pop-up, and it says, Do you want to help Geralt of Rivia? And then there are a bunch of bullet points, uh, pros and cons for for helping. Uh, (laughs) Do you want to help Geralt of Rivia? Point number one, you get to play as Geralt of Rivia. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It... uh... It, it's a shocking and jarring thing i mean kind of like aloy from from horizon zero dawn it makes sense a little bit i mean you and i have already compared this game's loop to the witcher 3 um it clearly took inspiration from monster hunter in in its uh game design so it's not like that that out of left field but it sure feels out of left field when you don't totally. know what's coming and it happens
1: um yeah on paper yes garrett Geralt is, as I've called him before, Mike from Breaking Bad in medieval fantasy forensics land. He, <laughs> yeah. He, uh, his, his day job is hunting monsters and he's, he's got cat eyes. He can do it pretty well. Uh-huh. So it makes sense on paper, but like for the worlds themselves to exist, it's basically, <laughs> it's like if Shinji from Neon Genesis showed up and dug, it's like, okay, yeah, <laughs> ah, you're both. <laughs> You're both like young kids figuring out the world around you, but there is no, there's no further apart tonal series. <laughs> now, I just imagine Mr. Dick and Patty Man <laughs> face me like, congratulations. Congratulations. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, you're crying. <laughs> uh, I'm just imagining. I a version like... of the
0: Doug theme song that slowly devolves into into crying. <laughs> it's like. Yeah,
1: please, someone make a mashup of the with the be like you know Witcher 3 is a is is sort of like a Game of Thrones level of like moral, grey no one's really good or bad, everyone's horny and evil world, and Monster Hunter everyone is named like Fiverr Bro and eats turkey, and that's like where it ends and begins so, yeah, it it is, it is such a bizarre character to just Yeah, appear. Imagine playing as Geralt of Rivia and
0: sitting down for the meauscular chef cutscene, you know? Like, that's <laughs> that's really all you need to, like, understand the, the tonal dichotomy
1: that's happening here. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm imagining Doug sitting in Unit 01, just like the orange juice spilling <laughs> up around him. And he's like, I hope Patty thinks I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, God, wow, we really broke ourselves this one. This is like a pretty normal episode until that I said that. Yeah, it really was. <sighs> um, yeah, Monster Hunter Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you played as Geralt yet? Have you did you do it or did you kind of drop it there?
0: <laughs> no, um. I I said, yes, I will play as Geralt of Rivia, and then it put me into uh, the ancient, I think it was the ancient forest, as Geralt of Rivia, and I immediately was like, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> I, I can't yeah. handle
1: that. Not tonight. Yeah. So I'll get back a to it. A little bit strange. Yeah, it's, but, God, it is such a, <laughs> weird crossovers aside, it is, it is such a charming game. Like, it really yeah. is, like, um... It's weird that, like it's still not in our in our top five to twenty eighteen, but like you know they very strong year at least for us and uh I mean, you know top ten still we we played we played a lot of games the first year of this show too, yeah, that was like us being like as flippant as possible but yeah i I would really recommend this game, I think it it depends on a bit I think it depends like even though this is the most streamlined version of monster Hunter, and like does go out of its way to to set you up to succeed. Um it's still it still requires like patience. And I think too, the biggest thing is like how long you're gonna commit to playing this game really depends on if you have a committed group to play with you.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah, how are you feeling but, now that now that we're playing together versus playing by yourself on your
1: first time I mean through? I I did kinda like the solitary aspect of it too in terms of uh you know like just venturing this this sort of like natural landscape mastering you can, your environment and yeah. figuring it out on your own and like you can do it um but i think like i'm at a level where tackling the Diablos and rathalos on my own would have been pretty like i remember fighting the uh anjanath which is like one of the first walls of the of the game yeah uh, that's the t-rex that can fly and breathe fire it just feels like <laughs> someone was like how do you make a t-rex even more terrifying like, well <laughs> give it weird flying squirrel armpit wings and make it breathe fire that was the first fight that felt like a bo- uh, like a Dark Souls boss, where like I was like thrilled once I finally beat it. Whereas w- when you're with people, like you probably have it. Like it's not like I wouldn't say it's like that difficult of a game, despite like the patience required. Like it, it it you'll eventually get it. It doesn't require the like really frustrating wall that like a Sekiro or Dark Souls does. But like it's not like Dauntless, where Dauntless and I think. It's interesting to talk about those two games because you know we, we covered Dauntless in an earlier episode, which yeah. is like Dauntless is like a familiar... free to play Monster Hunter kind of game, essentially. Yeah. And they they kind of took the Monster Hunter loop and made it like as arcadey and as fast as possible. Right. Um and honestly, like we both like that game too. Like it's they're for as similar as they are, they they kind of occupy different places. Like yeah. I think the uh, the biggest thing is that the setting in Dauntless is like pretty much non existent you know it's like mm-hmm. snow island fire island or earth <laughs> island yeah. you know and 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 they even do the thing where, like, once you get a monster down to a certain amount of health, it will, like, walk away. And, like, that just feels, like, unnecessary and dauntless because, like, you're not soaking in any environment or learning anything new. You just have to, like, go somewhere else. It's right. It feels tedious. like the core
0: loop of that game is we want to get you into a hunt and out of a hunt as quickly as possible. Whereas Monster yeah. Hunter is more about, um, is more about like, digging yourself into the trench of the environment and, like, becoming one with the place until you yeah. take out the monster.
1: And then we even had a moment where we were fighting the Wrathless, which is like a kind of big dragon pterodactyl thing and every time we kept getting in front of it it ran away and we're like what are we doing wrong it's like oh i think we actually have to hunt it <laughs> i think we yeah. actually have to like <laughs> sneak up on it and not just like be like i'm here to fight with my big hammer yeah just um, just
0: the two of us yeah with our giant sword and hammer sprinting at full speed <laughs> towards the dragon
1: surprise surprise <laughs> it doesn't want to hang out with us <laughs> yeah it's like because we, we've been joking because, like, all of the armor is so lavish and, like, extravagant. And it's, like, only one or two pieces, like, make sense to hunt in. We're showing up in like Team Rocket gear with a big <laughs> hammer, and this thing doesn't want to fuck with us. Yeah. Uh, uh, Another thing, too, that's kind of eerie is like when you finally beat the monster, like victory music plays, and the handler is like, You did it, congrats. And then it's just like really gross sound of you skinning the monster. Like, yeah, you have to like, like go onto the monster
0: corpse and hold circle to just pull out a knife and just slice pieces off of it for yourself yeah. to craft into other things yeah that, that's, that's, a, that's where the like central theme I think of the game starts to like butt up against itself because I think they're really trying to totally. take it like respect the environment you're using every piece of this thing um, like th- that's kind of the, the like ethos I think that they're preaching but it's not what it feels like I mean it feels like you are coming into this environment and just ripping it to
1: pieces yeah. literally with a knife Yeah, and like it doesn't get in the way of the game, but you you will have this moment where like, am I am I the bad guys here? This feels like, wait a minute, I'm I'm wearing like I'm wearing this thing's skull as a hat, and yeah, um, yeah. But it's it's I fashioned its
0: eyes into sunglasses. I
1: think that I might be the bad guy. (laughs) The worst thing about the sunglasses is that they they aren't even from a big monster. They're just like from like one of the herbivores in the area. Oh wait, no, no, no! They're not herbivores. They're like uh, feisty lizards in the coral highlands. Yeah, um, I'll tell you what—they make excellent sunglasses. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I—I I think that's kind of that's kind of it. It's one of those things that I would recommend to anyone. I think this is actually weirdly, in terms of recommendations. Um, if anything we said appeals to you, like then jump on it. You'll have a great time. But if you're on the fence, I think that this is probably the best. Like. It's a good testing ground to see if you will uh, like A, this series and B, uh, the Dark Souls series. So I think that it (laughs) is like oddly more welcoming in that way of like kind of getting you used to this idea of like soaking in the environment and learning an enemy rather than just kind of progressing in a more traditional sense. Yeah. I think that if you enjoy this, you might like go into a Souls game with like at least like your own understand not not like to get good quote unquote but like so you understand what the game is, is trying to do yeah you know what you, I mean? you'll, you'll
0: have a you'll have a new mechanical tool set that you can use in in the souls franchise if you start to understand or wrap your head or like internalize uh what's going on in monster hunter
1: yeah my friends you won't and be brendan starting for, from scratch essentially yes yes my, my friends zoe and brendan who are who i mentioned before who are really into board games like they always say like once 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 they have played enough board games, they can kind of like when they're playing a new board game, use some like basic reference points to kind of know like okay, rather than having to read the rules now for forty minutes before we start playing, we kind of know what to expect. Is it this type of game? Is it this type of game? Yeah. Um. I think I think the reason so many people bounce from from Souls games is that like before they existed, there really wasn't a type of game like that. So I think that like once you kind of have your own like mental map of what that game is, and it's totally cool if it's not for you. It's, it's truly not for everyone. But I think Monster Hunter is like a more accessible version of that. Um, I and agree. I think that it's a game that I would recommend if you really love a, a strong sense of atmosphere. Um, if you really love a game that, that really values like uh, online cooperative play, um, which is something that you don't see too often. I would love to play this game, like, on a local level, if possible. I don't know if that's ever been possible, given the system it's been on, but it feels like that would be, like, the dream for this.
0: Yeah, it um, is uh, on Switch, at least. Like, the Switch version and the 3DS versions have all had local co-op if you, you know, have multiple people with copies of the game. Oh, awesome. Which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, I think it's a great thing, I, and I think if you're... I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're curious about getting into this series, uh, I think World is like the one to get. And, yeah, and now, yeah, no question. Also, like the rest.
0: um, it's available on a couple platforms at the moment. It's not on Switch. I hope that it makes it to Switch. I don't know if that's even like remotely in the cards, but that would be like a really great game on Switch eventually if they ever decided to port that. But regardless, like it's cheap enough that I would recommend buying it for yourself and maybe like get another friend to buy it with you if possible. And, and I know, like, it, cheap is relative, definitely. Um, but, like, playing this game with another person is is the way it was intended to be. And although there are joys in playing it solo, as you discussed, and, and I totally agree with you because I also played a lot of this game solo um, and, until I had a, a pretty solid group of friends to play it with. Playing it with other people is definitely, like, the way to go. And And you're going to have... A great time discovering a bunch of different things. What weapons you like? Uh, yeah. all, all the different possibilities with monsters. Um, I don't know there's just so much to love about these games uh, when you're when you're playing it with another person. So definitely recommend doing that. But yeah, world is definitely the place to go and 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 start your adventure. I think with this franchise, um, it is worth noting, and I wanted to mention this to you specifically. If you, if you feel like you get what World is all about and you have, like, figured out the mechanics and you know what's going on, this is a franchise unlike a lot of other series in which, like, it kind of revolutionizes itself so much that going back to earlier entries is maybe a little bit more difficult. I think you and I have talked about that a lot with Persona where, like... The further yeah. back in the Persona franchise you get, the harder it is to get into those games because of all the quality of life improvements and things. This game, although it it does have a lot of quality of life stuff and does improve on itself in a lot of interesting ways, that does not close the door to earlier entries. Like you could pick up Generations on Switch and have a great time with it. Um, the same that you would playing World, I think, like on that level, even if it's by yourself or if it's with other people. Although I think World is the better entry point and the place where you should start, um, if you get into it, going backwards is not out of the cards. I would definitely recommend cool. doing it. Uh, if, if you're yeah. like really hankering for more Monster Hunter after you beat World and Iceborne, which is a shitload of content, so like, yeah. buckle up for that. Um, it's cool to know that there are other games that you can dive into and like have a really fun time with. Um, especially because yeah, tr- Generations, sounds- by the way, is like the now-that's-what-I-call-music of Monster Hunter. Um, <laughs> that game is very literally like here are all of the best monsters from every previous version of the game in all of the best environments. It's like literally just the dream for people who have loved this franchise for so long, um, which is pretty rad. And then, you know, world is the evolution of all that, but
1: yeah. Yeah. It sounds like the biggest hurdle is like learning what the game is. And once you have that, then you can go, you can take that knowledge anywhere. It sounds like,
0: yeah, it's been Um, actually like stunning to go Play Monster Hunter World and use the longsword and then go into Generations and use the longsword and have it feel exactly the same. Um, That's dope. It's
1: really surprising and, and yeah. pretty tight, honestly. <laughs> it's a fun time. You, you, you mentioned earlier, like, I think, I think if there is one word to sell the series, it is the sense of discovery in all areas. Like, yeah. discovering the monster in the environment, discovering how to beat the monster discovering like what the style of play you gravitate towards like it's full of that it's a very positive experience even though the one bummer is like when you question like the moral (laughs) uh, ramifications (laughs) of what you're doing yeah and maybe question if you're team rocket and like cool clothes it truly is like a very (laughs) oddly zen and positive experience um which makes me wonder like if there's will ever be a souls like that isn't dark fantasy you know it's like can you take that loop of the game and that level of difficulty but not have it be uh you enter fog to fight a boss called like the stillborn God and then you you know <laughs> right, do whatever. right right uh like is there a way to have that in like a vibe that is like Sinar Wild Hearts or something? You know, like it doesn't have to always be a bummer. Yeah, and I think that's one of the rumors that there was going to well.
0: be like a mech, like uh, From Software going to go back because they they used to make mech games. I forget what their I forget what that franchise is called. It might be Armored Core. I think was uh, FromSoft. Soft franchise yeah. which is like a mech series um there were rumors that they were going to take the souls s combat and apply it to their armored core franchise which like sounds kind of like a dream but I, I i like where you're taking it where it's like okay so that's cool you're taking it out of like bummer town and moving it into like fun sci-fi future <laughs> yeah. but, but there's like another version of this that is like just completely cartoony and goofy and whatever uh but still has that like really crushing combat which i think is a, yeah. is a fun idea
1: and that's and kind of what Monster it, Hunter is. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. One isn't inherently better than the other, but I think, like, when looking at what it, what is a series formula, what is it influencing, and what can you do with it? Yeah. Um, I think that... Monster Hunter is clearly a really big influence on a lot of different series that have taken it in very different directions. Mm -hmm. But I really like the, the tone that it has outside of Geralt showing up, (laughs) 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 which I think we explored as thoroughly as we could. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, So yeah, I, uh, I would highly recommend this game. It's, it's a gem. It's a great time. Yeah. All right. Yeah.
0: I, (laughs) <laughs> Echo all of that, yeah. I guess
1: that's it, right? That's it for the episode, huh? Yeah, we're so uh, we we went into this kind of expecting it to be like a slightly shorter one because, like you know, it's not like a fire and episode where we're, we're going to kind of dive into the psyche of every character or you know like. Uh, Animal Crossing, where we have like a lot of questions, like yeah. rank the cats. <laughs> yeah, we we did uh, do an overview of the entire story of this game over
0: the course of this very short episode.
1: <laughs> um, we, we tried our uh, best. We're we're used to longer bonuses, but but I mean, this has still been like an hour and a half. We're good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I guess I guess we can wrap up. Um, <laughs> unless you have anything else to say about I, No, I got Monster nothing Hunter world. Just yeah, play it, Monster it's Hunter. A great game. It's a wonderful franchise. Um, I am I will say I'm glad that we we spent some time to revisit it in this way because I think it was like a big deal for both of us that year and and our show didn't exist to kind of properly highlight it. Um yeah. In the same way that ironically uh and there's some foreshadowing here we we never really did like a Celeste episode and that was my favorite game. Oh like, boy, yeah. One, one of my favorite games ever and yeah. my game of the year of 2018 so We'll, we'll look back as, as time progresses and, and find what stuff is worth revisiting. But um, yeah, as always, thank you so much for listening. Um, we, we love making these bonuses and, and playing around with what structure they take. If you like the show, uh, sharing it with a friend is the best way to support it. Uh, once again, thank you to all our generous patrons who, who backed us, who allow this bonus episode to exist for all bonus content to exist. If you really like the show, rating it on Apple Podcasts out of five stars is very helpful. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just listening and sharing it with a friend is, is the way to go. We have a lovely Discord in the show notes. Um, you can join there. And uh, we got a Twitch, which I think we, uh, speaking of Monster Hunter, we will be still planning on streaming soon. That is still on the cards, um, <laughs> on the cards, on the table and in the cards. There you go. Two phrases in one uh the cards yeah, we'll are on the table soon. and it's in the all cards. cards on the table gerald is in the game okay <laughs> <laughs> do you want to play as him or not um but yeah that's that's kind of it uh this is this is a short and sweet one yeah we've had fun here today we had a good time we uh yeah
0: her. yeah th- thank you everybody uh who, who listens to the show um i mean as, as we've said before but i i want to echo again especially given all the stuff that's happened over the past couple of weeks um we are a, a video game podcast there are a lot of those the fact that you choose uh, our podcast to listen to even if there are others involved even if you listen to other podcasts the fact that ours is in your rotation at all and you've made it to the end of this bonus episode about a game you may or may not have ever played um thank you thank you for doing that it means a lot totally
1: yeah absolutely I, I echo that entirely um and yeah with that uh i am steven hilger you can find me at Stephen hilger I am Brendan Bigley. You can find me
0: on the internet at Brendan Bigley. Have a great day. (laughs) Goodbye,
1: everyone. Goodbye. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.